Welcome to the How To College podcast. This is a little project put together by a group of first-year fellows and Munson fellows who are going to be breaking down everything you need to know about adjusting to college over the course of this mini-series. The first-year fellows are going to be taking over the first half of this podcast. I'm Jill, and I'm a pre-veterinary major. Hey, my name is Sophia Dawn, and I'm a first-year neuroscience major. Hi, everyone. I'm Raktim, an applied molecular bio and biotech major. So the first part of this podcast, we're going to be talking a lot about dopamine and why it's important into breaking our bad habits. As college students, we have a lot of high dopamine release activities in our everyday lives. Scrolling through social media, watching TV, or even listening to a podcast are all very low effort activities that cause us to release a lot of dopamine. However, all of these easy tasks lead to instant gratification, and that can decrease our sensitivity of the dopamine receptors. Yeah, if you've ever scrolled through social media and you feel yourself uncontrollably liking posts, that's dopamine's fault. If you think that the science isn't going to be that important, trust me, it applies to a great many examples in your life. For example, have you ever found yourself slowly drifting off while you're working, unable to complete something because you just can't focus? Well, that's because of high dopamine. Have you ever found yourself lacking the motivation to get to your essay and get your work done so you save it for later? and then you save it for later and you keep saving it, that's because of high dopamine. Have you ever found yourself just being emotionally out of it and just not feeling great? Well, that can be because of high dopamine. High dopamine can definitely contribute to a lot of things in your life, and we're going to keep breaking it down here. So if you find yourself experiencing problems like this in your life, These behaviors could be indicative of a vicious cycle that's a direct result of dopamine receptors that have lost some of their sensitivity. Oftentimes, this leads to procrastinating work because your brain no longer feels motivated to do more work for the same amount of dopamine. And this leads to staying up for one of two reasons. You're either up late finishing that work that you've been putting off all day, or you're simply too stressed to go to bed because you're worried about all the work that you didn't do that day. So you stay up late, even though you know you're really not going to do the work at that point. This is a term which originated in China, according to the BBC, and it's called revenge bedtime procrastination. This is different from insomnia in that you're not actually having trouble falling asleep once you go to bed. Your problem is actually getting yourself to go to bed. So then the next day, after you've stayed up late, you're even more easily bored and distracted because you're tired. And the more tired you are, the more your self-discipline lowers. And so then you find yourself once again picking up your phone mindlessly in order to occupy your brain. Yeah, that's happened to me a few times. And I'm pretty sure to anyone listening, you can at least give one or two examples of where that's happening. So this is definitely a problem, right? Yeah, it happens to me all the time. So how, how will we solve that problem? Because I'm pretty sure that we've all attempted it before. We've all tried, but then it's never really worked because it just feels like it's set in stone. Well, we have to understand exactly why that's happening. Not really that it's just that it's happening, but that it's happening for a reason. And we can shift that reason so we can do something that's much more healthier for ourselves. So one potential solution to this is to start increasing the effort required to obtain dopamine. So at first, you might want to start by removing all instant gratification in your life for a little bit. But of course, totally removing this just isn't possible. And having some instantly gratifying activities in your life can actually be good for some stress relief. 
So it's more sustainable to actually over the long term, just decrease little by little the amount of dopamine that you're getting per unit of effort. So the solution that we're talking about is a less extreme version of what's known as dopamine fasting. BBC recognizes that eliminating all means of dopamine release might not be efficient in our everyday lives, so we found a few ways to reset our dopamine receptor sensitivities that is more college student friendly. So our first example is taking one full day to avoid any type of high dopamine, low effort activities. This might not seem ideal and it might be hard to achieve, but we're not saying to eliminate everything that you might find pleasure in. We're just saying to maybe try to aim more for high effort, low dopamine activities to help just flick that reset button. Now that sounds a little bit crazy to you because I don't know, going off of technology for a whole day, it sounds like it sounds like the plot of some kind of horror flick, trust me. But I promise you, there's another option. Another option that you could do is you could pick one day in a week. Maybe it's your weekend day where you feel like you finally can just get to relax. And you pick that day and you don't do a lot of high dopamine or low effort activities that day. Maybe that's the day that you decide you'll go out and throw some frisbees and actually be active for once instead of watching exercise videos. Maybe you'll do something else that gets you to put in some effort and gets out that dopamine as a reward, not as something that's just given to you. Yeah, watching exercise videos instead of actually doing the exercise feels all too real to me. Um, But something that might actually be a good alternative in case doing a day, a whole day a week where you're not doing any high dopamine activities, a better alternative might be setting aside a little bit of time each day in order to do some activities like running, reading, coloring, etc. Any activities that don't involve scrolling through social media and having those high dopamine releases. So I find setting aside a little bit of time each day a little bit more realistic for me simply because I find myself procrastinating the one day a week that I'm going to not be on my phone. If you feel that one day, one whole day might be a little daunting, that might be a good option too. So to recap these options, the first one we discussed was one full day of little to no high dopamine, low effort releasing activities. But we know that really isn't ideal for college students or just busy people like us. So we also discussed one day a week where you focus more on doing high effort, low dopamine, or setting a little bit of time each day to just have those more relaxing activities. But naturally, as we do less of these high dopamine releasing activities, we're going to be increasing the amounts of other hormones in our system. So one of those hormones is oxytocin. A lot of people have heard the word oxytocin thrown around a lot, but I'm not sure how many people actually know what sort of activities lead to the release of oxytocin. One of those activities is simply playing with a pet. So if you have a dog and enjoy playing with that dog, that's a good way to release oxytocin naturally and hanging out with your friends and family, I would recommend doing an activity with them that doesn't involve sitting down and watching TV because I know a lot of people like to watch TV with their family. But having that form of being physically present with others, it creates stronger bonds and connections with people and it increases your ability to trust others and increases your feelings of loyalty. When I think about that with oxytocin, the first thing I always think of is someone hugging a tree. I'm gonna be totally honest. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with the pet thing as well as now I can only see hugging a tree. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Well, it's not a bad idea. Hugging is actually the biggest way to release oxytocin. It is. However, oxytocin isn't the only hormone that gets released. Now I'm on to my favorite one. I really wish I had a poster of this somewhere in my room because this hormone is the best. Serotonin. This hormone is also known as the leadership hormone because this hormone comes around when you're confident. This is that one part, that one feeling that you get whenever you accomplish something that's a really big challenge and it's that rush of excitement and pride. That's serotonin. As you can guess, activities that make you step outside of your comfort zone or cause you to be more in a leadership position or cause you to just simply help out other people helps release serotonin and helps make you more friendly towards other people. It helps you feel better about yourself and it generally helps balance out everything else. And our last major hormone that we're gonna be talking about are endorphins. When endorphins are released, we have immense amounts of determination. It reduces our physical pain, it reduces our stress levels, and it really just allows us to think more clearly. But how do we get those endorphins to release? It's as easy as making a joke and laughing about it. It's as easy as listening to a joke and laughing about it. Another activity is just listening to music that really just makes you feel good or exercising. Comedy shows, guys. Comedy shows, I'm telling you. So to wrap up and offer some of our own personal preferences for solutions, I would like to start by saying something that I would like to implement in my life is leaving my phone downstairs when I'm going up to bed for the night. It's something that I know a lot of people will probably scoff at, and so did I for a while, because it's what your parents always tell you to do. And no one ever wants to do what their parents tell you to do, but they are onto something. It's probably a much better idea to use your actual alarm clock. It still is useful for something after all. Or maybe to use a watch to set an alarm instead, and then try listening to some music or reading to unwind instead of going through the endless scroll on social media. I can definitely attest to the alarm clocks are actually useful because I use my phone alarm so much that that sound that I know you all are thinking of right now triggers that fight or flight response. So I did have to switch it. So maybe alarms should be my go-to, but we still, we all still struggle. But personally, I think that setting one day a week to do stress relieving activities might be best for me. I did try to do it during the fall semester. I wanted to dedicate part of my Sundays to just bullet journaling or painting, but it did not last the whole time because I just kept thinking about how much work I had to do. And that's just something I really would like to invest my time in, to just have that dedicated time to to do what I actually find enjoyment in. Reach. I absolutely feel that. I completely agree with that. And although one day is not my thing, I am more of a sporadic nut job in the case where I just do something every day. So that little one day strategy I pointed out earlier, I'm going to be trying that. I am personally a big fan of music. So if any of you ever meet me, I'll probably be tooling around with GarageBand or playing some kind of instrument. Don't know what, but I'll figure it out. And also reading is absolutely one of my favorite pastimes especially with the spring semester coming up. I know that textbooks are probably not the thing to be reading, but if you ever can get your hands on a fun book or something that you enjoy, you can join me in reading an unnecessary amount in order to make yourself relax. With that, I think we're done for today. 
thank you everyone for listening into our podcast. I hope all of you have a wonderful day and I hope you've taken away something from this podcast. Keep listening to learn how to build new habits with the second half. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sophia, Dawn, Jillian, and Rock Tim for that awesome breakdown of how to break bad habits. And hello to everyone listening. You are about to hear three new voices. My name is Avigna. I'm a junior interpersonal communication major. I'm a returning Munson fellow and a returner to this podcast as well. Hey, hey guys, I'm Avery. I am also a Munson, but this is my first year. Um, I am a three language and cognitive science double major, and this is my third or fourth time on the podcast. Woo! (laughs) And my name is Katie. I'm a freshman nutrition and dietetics major and also a first year fellow. Hi, Katie. (laughs) Amazing. So for the second half of this podcast episode, the three of us are going to have a conversation about our experiences with habit formation and what advice we have um, for being proactive, especially going into this new semester and how to balance school and forming those healthy habits that take care of your physical and mental health. So Katie, do you wanna start us? Sure, so we're gonna start with one of the most important topics, which is finding a balance between staying on track with school as well as caring for your personal health. These are some good habits to work towards for a more successful spring semester. Um, Fair warning, you will want to just pick two or three of these to work toward at first. Otherwise, you may get overwhelmed with the sheer amount of habits that you're trying to establish at once. First, I'm going to share a few tips for school. It's really important to take breaks when you're studying. Um, Take regular breaks to uh, give give your brain a chance to recover from the material that you're learning, to to give yourself a chance to really fully process what you're Uh, studying what you're learning. Um, It's also really important to study with friends in the same classes, especially in this online environment. It's really important to get connected with your classmates so that you can study together for upcoming exams and ask each other questions about homework. So another really important tip I'd like to share for studying is to use the Pomodoro method. This is a method where you work in 25 minute sessions and then you have a five minute break at the end of each session. Typically after you do four rounds of this 25 and five combination, you get a longer break such as 15 minutes. So um, this is something that I personally want to try during spring semester. And I've tried it a little bit over winter session and I found it to be really effective. I've seen so many um, videos and just people talking about Um, how effective this method is. And then there's also different apps that you can download for this that have a timer that's preset to these intervals. One more really important tip for school is to avoid pulling all-nighters. And this this sounds easier than it actually is, as we all know. Um, But I've personally found it really effective to just if I'm feeling tired or unmotivated to go to bed earlier and then get up early in the morning to study because that's when I find that I'm most productive. Everyone else, I mean, everyone obviously has different times at which they hit their peak productivity, but I found that avoiding these all-nighters are really beneficial in the long run for making sure you get enough sleep. And sleep is the next category I want to talk about. So it's really important to get seven to nine hours of sleep per night. 
getting enough sleep can help with your attention span, your mood, and also strengthen your immune system and give you more energy throughout the day. For some tips to fall asleep, it's really important to um, exercise early in the day because that actually kind of helps your body to, to feel tired later on. Also, if you're addicted to coffee like I am, you might want to consider cutting back your caffeine intake, especially in the late afternoon. And finally, something that I found beneficial is to turn off my electronics an hour or so before bed and spend that time um, just doing something relaxing instead. Um, whether that's reading a real book, um, something that you personally enjoy reading rather than something that's assigned to you, whether that's journaling or just taking some time to stretch. Um, these are all some stress reducing activities that can really help you uh, fall asleep better. Yeah, um, I did want to like interject with like my little thing about sleep um, because we're all college students and it's like super hard for us to like be like, yeah, we want to put like we want to have a really great sleep routine. Um, and that can be kind of hard to do that from night to night because, you know, a lot of us have turbulent schedules that look super different during the day. And it's hard to keep that routine sleep schedule from night to night. Um, I myself consider myself like a night owl. I'm like always up throughout the night. And for some reason, I've gotten into this headspace that uh, my productivity and my creative thinking is like super good at night. And that's why I choose to do my work at right. And then um, it kind of slips into overdrive and I tend to get lost in work. And then all of a sudden I look at the clock, it's like five in the morning. I need to be up in a few hours to get ready for school. And that vicious cycle just keeps continuing. And going back to what Katie was saying about uh, like turning off your electronics at least 30 minutes before bedtime. Like, I think that's a super important point just because I've found that like the later I work, of course, I'm like staring at my screen later and later into the night. And then when I finally do want to shut everything down, it's harder to fall asleep because my brain is just like super active from like looking at electronics all day and then all night too. So um, trying to ease yourself into like avoiding doing that more and more um, is really important. One thing I really tried to do this past winter session was to like try to get to bed by midnight, maybe 1am at the very latest. And then that way I was getting up earlier, um, getting more sunlight, which already made me feel like well rested and I was more productive in the mornings that way. And one of the reasons I was staying up so late was even though I felt like I was being productive, I was also like continuing that cycle and like be becoming more and more tired and it would take like more time to finish a task than I would if I was working on it during the day. So um, even though I'm still not perfect, I'm trying to recognize when I'm shutting down a little bit um, as it gets later. And then, you know, just telling myself to put it away and look at things with fresh eyes in the morning. So one of the things I learned um, back in high school, actually, my marching band instructor taught me this. Um, was know your tendencies. So kind of what that looks like for habit forming is recognizing that if you don't give yourself those boundaries or those, I hesitate to say railroad tracks, but like if you don't set those boundaries and those paths for yourself, um, what are you going to do without even thinking about it? Are you going to stay up until 4am and not think about it? Are you going to eat that really unhealthy stuff in the dining hall every day? Um, so like, I always tell people with when they're trying to set goals, what are you trying to avoid? Like, what are you, 
what is the tendency you're trying to change? Um, and so once you identify that part of your goal, you can start making yourself a little tracker with baby steps towards that new habit and start building up towards that big goal of I'm going to eat healthier as your habit, but maybe it's I'm going to eat one more healthy thing at each meal today. And then you can build up from there to kind of move into the the last topic we're going to talk about, like how to form new habits. Um, I know for me, what works is um, over quarantine, I've started trying to do yoga or at least stretch every day. And I found this app that will give you like a stretching routine or a yoga workout or something like that. And then every couple days it'll go, hey, look, you did it five days in a row. Hey, look, you did it 10 days in a row. And I know that motivates me. And even though I might not be doing like an hour's worth of yoga every day, it's still I had those 10 minutes and it said, hey, look, you did this really well. And then I can keep building on what I've done throughout um, the next weeks. So um, baby steps and find a way to reward yourself for it. Yeah, that's really good. And that actually leads into our next point, um, which is that it's just really important to break your habits down into something that's easy, something that's attainable, um, that takes barely any time to do. Um, Basically, anything's better than nothing. So even if you're only doing this new habit for one minute or two minutes every day, um, you start to build on it. You start to realize like, hey, this habit's actually really good for me and I really enjoy doing it. Um, You might even start to look forward to doing it, which is awesome. Uh, And so the goal here is just repetition rather than high achievement. Another important thing to remember is that you should be linking the actions that you want to do, the habits that you want to do with the things that you need to do. So this will lead to anticipation of a reward that you set up for yourself. And that will in turn motivate you to do the new habit. So here's where we get into the discussion of the two minute rule, which is when you start a new habit, it should take less than two minutes to do. For example, instead of saying, I want to read a book every night before bed, you can turn it into, I want to read one page of this book every night before bed. And sometimes you'll get started on this habit and you'll realize you enjoy it. And so you might even end up doing it for longer than the two minutes that you originally laid out to do it for. So a final tip I have for forming new habits is accountability. You need to find friends or other a group maybe who will work towards the same goals that you have and um by keeping up with each other asking hey did you do thus and so today you can keep each other on track uh remind each other to do that little habit that you that you both are working toward the most difficult part is just like starting on a project um i often find that um, the reason I procrastinate sometimes, um, or whether it's schoolwork or just daily life tasks, is I have this like weird intrinsic fear of like knowing that I have to organize all these moving parts in order to do said project to complete the task. And that is very daunting. And like having to do that and knowing that I'm going to have to go through those steps is uh, it kind of just like pushes me away from wanting to do it in the first place. So I've found that things that help me is just gathering like all the information that I need to do, whether it's like 
reading the syllabi or reading the rubric for a project um, and making that a subtask. Just all I need to do is knowing what I need to do for the project. And then once that happens, it becomes much easier to lay out all the little steps it's going to take me to achieve the goal. And mapping out like a personal timeline for myself and laying out deadlines and being self-disciplined about that, no matter what the task might be, is super helpful as well. So um, like you were saying, Katie, once you begin something, you're likely to keep going, especially if you lay out like an intentional um, or like numerical standard for yourself. Like read one page instead of just saying read a book which is very uh very vague and doesn't exactly like tell you exactly what to do um and even then like if you can't keep going at that moment um at least you started the project right and you like open this box and you're more likely to work on it later in the day or the next day because it's this pending incomplete thing in your life that's going to keep bugging you until it's done so um those are my those are my thoughts on that Accountability is super important as well. Sammy Simon, one of our um, other Munsons this year, um, really loves this idea of having an accountability buddy. And she was telling me about it the other day. So shout out to you, Sammy. Um, but it's essentially like having a friend who, um, you know, you who would, you know, forgive you in a sense, like if if you didn't quite complete a task, but you don't really want to let that person down or like disappoint them or like report back to them and say, hey, I actually didn't do this thing. So um, having a friend or somebody in your life that you can tell them that you're like doing something and they're going to check back in with you and you kind of like want to report back and say like, yes, I did do this thing and I'm happy about it and I'm going to go and get myself a donut for it later. Um, so having that system is really important as well, especially when um, the, this habit that you want to start is um, new to you. Avery, any thoughts on that? No, um, I think just the last thing before we kind of wrap up is we realize that one size does not fit all when it comes to forming a new habit and you have to find the thing that's going to motivate you or the thing that is really going to get you to quote unquote get out of bed and um, take on this new challenge so all of these um, tips or personal experience um, anecdotes all that is totally totally up in the air you can try our tips for sure and see if they work for you but the biggest part of habit forming is find out finding out what is going to help you exactly college is all about trial and error so there's always going to be that little period of like does this work for me or does it not and figuring that out is part of life in general anyway so um don't be afraid to like try things out and be okay if it doesn't work out. And uh, don't be hesitant to lean on friends and mentors and faculty for support as well, because they've been through it too, and they can help you out in those areas as well. And with that, we're going to kind of wrap up here. We hope that that was uh, a little helpful in getting you inspired to forming your own healthy habits for this spring. And we hope you'll join us with forming some of your own healthy habits and working on those things this semester. Uh, that's a wrap on this episode of the Honors Podcast. Be sure to keep up with the UDHC updates and visit the Honors College website to find ways that you can stay engaged, whether you're on campus this semester or at home. This was the winter edition of the How To College Podcast. I'm Abigna. I'm Avery. And I'm Katie. See you soon.